0: Ladies and gentlemen, I can't believe it. We are just days away from the Pesach Seder, and I don't know about you, but for me, with Pesach upon us, memories of last year's Seder are resurfacing. I feel very fortunate to be blessed with a large family, and when the COVID restrictions began last year, my family converged here in Portland from all over the U.S. and Israel. It was the only time I remember sitting around the Seder, and it was just us, our nuclear family, and the pandemic has really brought family into sharper focus. In Wuhan, the rate of divorce went up last year when married couples experienced strife during lockdowns. And on the other hand, sociologists have pointed to a recent uptick in family togetherness and generations living together. And today, with the vaccine, some families are reuniting. We live in a time of division in our society. And if there's division on a societal level, it's so important to look at our world at a grassroots level as well. Because the foundation of societal unity really begins at home. While the pandemic has brought some families closer together, family life in America is in retreat. People get married older and less often and they have fewer children today than in previous generations. And that doesn't bode well for building a unified society in the future. As a Jewish people, also, we need to look at the grassroots trends that underlie our societal picture. For example, Pesach is about unity. This was a time that Jews from all over Eretz Israel, all over the land of Israel, streamed to the base of Mikdash to bring the Korban Pesach, the Passover offering. And that national movement of unity was built at a local level. The Torah tells us, Vayikulahem ish salabes avos, salabayas. They shall take for themselves a lamb for each household. On the night of the Exodus, the redemption that we experience on a national level started in each individual home. And in light of that, Pesach is a time that we need to consider our own personal Shalom bias. The truth is that Pesach is the perfect time to build Shalom bias or harmony in our homes. And so in today's podcast, We're going to explore how to utilize this optimal time to do just that. But before we do that, we have to understand that Pesach is a time that has the potential to bring about added stress on the family. Perhaps it's because we have so many people under one roof or all of the hopeless Pesach we fulfill. The potential for for familiar rift on Pesach is real. Just think about what Erev Pesach looks like. Consider the following aspects of our Erev Pesach, which falls this year on Shabbat on Saturday. Number one, it's prohibited to eat chametz on the eight days of Pesach. Chametz being any one of the five grains, wheat, barley, spelt, oats, or rye that have fermented. In addition, we can't eat chametz on the 14th day of Nisan after midday. By rabbinic law, we don't eat chametz after the first four halachic hours of the day on the 14th, which will come out to... 11.10 uh, a.m. here in Portland on Shabbos Day. An additional restriction, we do not eat matzah on the 14th day of Nisan, so that we'll enjoy the Seder matzah with a hearty appetite. Well, given that we don't eat bread after 11.10 a.m. and we don't eat matzah the entire day, how do we go about our Shabbat meal, which requires bread? The common procedure is to eat a meal that is, is kosher La Pesach on Shabbos morning, And as for the bread part, we start our meal early, washing over rolls, consuming all chametz by the fourth hour. So you can see what's happening here. We have an elaborate procedure. Get rid of all chametz on Thursday and night and Friday. Leave over rolls just enough for the meal. Eat a Pesach meal, but start with the rolls, finishing them at 11.10 a.m. Dispose of all crumbs so as to destroy our chametz, as well as to avoid having chametz get in our Pesach kitchen and utensils. This is a rather involved procedure for eating a meal. (laughs) The other night, my wife announced to the family that she's going to be setting strict rules as to where the rolls can be eaten to keep the kitchen and dining room chametz-free. Now add the following factor. You and your spouse have put every minute outside of work getting ready for Pesach. Maybe you haven't slept enough. Maybe you haven't slept in days. (laughs) My wife recalls how her grandmother would spend the entire night before Pesach koshering chickens in preparation for the Chag. Intense preparations combined with extensive protocols. It's fair to say that there's at least a potential for stress in the home. And that's before visiting family arrives to the picture. Pesach is about unity and about building national shalom that starts in the home. But how do we get there? The truth about shalom is that it can't be taken for granted. The Mishnah in Pirkei Avos teaches us, Have shalaron, oev shalom shalom, Hillel says, "Be among the students of our Loving peace and pursuing peace. Loving people and bringing them closer to the Torah. The Maharal notes the implication of Hillel's words. It seems obvious from Hillel, and it seems that he felt it would be obvious to us that Aaron was the exemplar of Shalom. And we just need to follow his example. But why is that so obvious? Nowhere does the Torah explicitly say that Aaron was a man of peace. Now, on one level, the prophet Malachi teaches us B'Shalom of Amishor Halachiti. God says that Aaron walked with me in shalom and in uprightness. It's not explicit that the verse is talking about Aaron, but it's pretty clear that that's what it's referring to. But still, an obscure verse in the second chapter of Malachi hardly makes it obvious that Aaron was a man of shalom, of peace. Now, if we look further into the Torah, we find that Aaron rejoiced when his younger brother Moshe was given an even more prominent leader position than himself. But there's an even deeper factor in this teaching, says the Maharal. After all, Aaron was the Kohen Gadol. He was responsible to bring people together in the Mishkan, united in serving Hashem, if that was his whole purpose, it must be that he was a man of shalom. This was the obvious thing. He was the unifier of the Jewish people. And that's why we need to be as students, loving people, loving shalom, chasing shalom. But getting deeper into the Mishnah, why do we specifically need to chase after shalom? And what's the connection between chasing shalom? and bringing people closer to the Torah. The Maharal offers a foundational idea. Namely, division is natural and inherent to our world. The very idea of creation is based on division. Creation is God expressing his oneness in a multi-dimensional world. A new life begins with cells dividing to form new cells. The very story of mankind also begins with division. The very first brotherly relationship of Cain and Hevel ended in murder. There's no two ways about it. Discord and division are natural to our world. But if division is natural, then unity and shalom transcend nature. And our rabbis teach us that shalom is a godly matter. In fact, Shalom, the Talmud says, is one of the names of the Almighty, Almighty, a name of God that cannot practically be uttered when you enter into a restroom. That's how holy it is. And given how natural division is, the only way that we can really attain it is to chase after it. Think about it. When people experience discord, they try to avoid one another allowing the problem to fester. The Midrash comments, though, that Aaron would chase after Shalom, seeking any means to bring parties together, like an estranged white husband and wife or estranged friends. I remember many years ago, living in Houston, I was learning in the colo one afternoon, and I managed to get into a heated debate with one of the other rabbis, Let's just say that things got so heated, we did not depart that afternoon with a cheerful countenance. That evening, I was back at home. I wasn't really thinking about it. But suddenly, I got a knock at the door, and there was my friend who I had the heated exchange with. He was holding a beautiful glass chess set that he purchased for me. He reached out and he handed me the chess set with a look in his eyes that said, We're friends. Now, at the time, I felt moved by his proactive gesture, but looking back, I appreciate it even more. Here, we had a rift, and it would be so natural to walk away and let the rift fester. Not only did he not do that, but he sought a way to bind it up. Rift and division are so natural, and the solution is that we do need to chase after Shalom. And the corollary is that we need to love God's creatures and bring them closer to the Torah. If we love shalom amongst people, we need to strive to bring people closer to God. But how do we increase shalom? And specifically how do we do it on Pesach? Shalom is a godly thing. It's God's name. And because it's so holy, it's also precious and it's precarious. And so we need to chase it. And when you think about a chase, a chase is something that happens very quickly without delay. And when we think about things without delay, we think about Pasach. The Torah teaches us, Ushmartem esamatzot, you shall guard the matzos. The rabbis comment, don't read Ushmartem esamatzot, don't read it to say that you shall guard matzah, Rather, read it, "Ushmartem is a mitzvos. You shall guard the mitzvahs. The matzah requires safeguarding and, uh, and constant oversight because dough naturally ferments. And likewise, in the course of daily life, Ushmartim a mitzvos. We need to guard mitzvot, which gets so easily lost. We get caught up in mundane material material pursuits. If we don't, jump out of bed and chase things like chakras. so learning. They're going to be lost. We'll be scrolling on social media instead of grappling with a page of Gemara. We naturally lose out on matzah because with time, dough ferments. And we naturally lose out on mitzvot because we get too focused on material needs. And we naturally lose out on shalom because the world is a place of separation and division. And so all of these things need to be chased with speed. In the weeks leading up to Pesach, speed is a constant theme. The Jews languished in slavery for hundreds of years. And then in one single night, the trajectory of Jewish history quickly changed. Hashem lifted the natural barrier of time to make redemption possible. The matzot, matzah, which is made so quickly, is a symbol of that speed of the Exodus. And today, we pursue the mitzvot of the Chag with speed, be it cleaning the kitchen or making and eating the matzah itself. A number of years ago, I had a Seder guest who never saw the mitzvah of eating matzah. We arrived to that part of the Seder that night, and he watched in wonder as everyone turned their attention solely on the reclining and eating the large volume of matzah, in a relatively quick period of time. I remember seeing his eyes bulging, watching us. He was awestruck, as it was totally a new way for him to see people immersed in in a mitzvah. And it made a big impression on him. We pursue the mitzvah of Pesach with a quickness and an enthusiasm that touches upon the nature of the Exodus itself. But here's an idea. As we do this, we need to recall the underlying purpose of Pesach. Pesach is that moment that we build national unity, starting with our homes. What we have as Jews is so holy. I was thinking about this last night with my family eating a chametz meal in the garage while our kitchen was Kasher Pesach, and thinking about Jewish families gathered around the Pesach Seder, multiple generations, sharing not only a meal, but a history and a future, a purpose and a mission. Our example as a, as a people of a Jewish family is so needed in these divided times. And at the same time, this beautiful institution of family cannot be taken for granted because division is so natural. So on these days of Chag, we need to take a broad view of Pesach. Yes, we're pursuing and chasing the mitzvot of the Chag. And in the same motion, we're chasing shalom. Keep that in mind. If there's a rift, hurry up and make an apology or find a way to make it better. Be humble like the matzah and make sure that there's shalom. Strive to never argue over how the mitzvot are fulfilled in your home, but just work together in harmony. Plus, we can also get proactive in promoting harmony when there is no rift. This past weekend, I learned from a community member who did the kindness of delivering a table to my home. And when he saw that the table and the porch were in need of a deep cleaning, he immediately told us that he's got a special power washer. Could he bring it by and help us out? That Sunday morning, he rushed to our house and even brought some decorations with him. It stood out as such an example of how Shalom needs to be chased and pursued. Don't just sit back. Seize the day of Pesach. Think about what would make your loved ones happy rush out and do it. Get them that special bottle of wine or a piece of new clothing. Think about a way that you can selflessly give to people that are around you. And as we experience a new Pesach, remember that this is an ace shalom, a time of potential for greater harmony. Take a broad view of the Chag. As you chase the mitzvot of the Chag, make sure that you are pursuing peace. As we become the students of our own The harmony we build in our homes will be a foundation for an even greater geula, a greater redemption for our people. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to tune in next week as we explore the real meaning of Shirim, the song of songs. Also, if you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to give us a five-star rating and let your friends know about our podcast. Feel free to reach out to me at rabbikenbrodkin.com. I'm Ken Brodkin and this is the Torah Journey Podcast.